0: Hi, my name is Marky McCray, and welcome to Love Chapel Hill, where our name is our mission, to love Chapel Hill with the heart of Jesus.
1: Hey everyone, my name is Natalie Davis, and I'm so glad you're joining us for our worship service today. Are you looking for ways to connect with others or get involved in the church community? I would love to invite you to the church website, lovechapelhill.com, where you can find several ways to connect and serve right on the front page of the website. There are many ways you can connect with others, such as Bible study groups, prayer groups, or discipleship bands, just to name a few. And you can also check out the various opportunities we have to serve those in our church and in the Chapel Hill community. Also, if you're worshiping with us for the first time this morning, or consider yourself new to the church, we are so happy you're joining us. We would love for you to fill out a Connect card to share with us more about yourself and to connect with the leaders of the church. You can find that Connect card in the comments on either the Facebook or YouTube video you're watching now. Thanks, and enjoy your Sunday.
2: Hi, everyone. I would like to invite you all to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for the watch party. We are watching the service every Sunday at 10 a.m. on Zoom. So if you would like to join us, you can find the link on our website. So I would love to see you all there. Hi,
3: I'm Maddie, and I get to tell you about Quest Kids. Quest Kids is our children's ministry, and throughout this time of worshiping at home, we've been having weekly Zoom meetings, Sundays at 10 a.m., and we are in search of and in need of volunteers. I know another Zoom meeting might feel like a hard sell right now, but let me tell you, this is not like any other Zoom meeting you're going to. You get to hang out with about 15 engaged, insightful, and hilarious kids, and you get to spend time doing fun things like scavenger hunts and games, and of course, reading from and learning from God's word. It's been such a powerful and joyful time of connection for all of us, and I really encourage you to reach out if you're interested. It doesn't matter if you're someone who has volunteered in person in the past who wants to reconnect, or you're looking to do this for the first time. We would love to hear from you. There's two ways that you can reach out to connect. One is going to our church's main webpage, lovechapelhill.com, and scrolling a bit down on that first screen, you'll see a spot to reach out or to apply to be a volunteer. Or you can look at the Connect Card link at the bottom of this video and fill that out and just express your interest in the Children's Ministry or kids there. We are really excited to hear from you and looking forward to working with you.
4: To do doing here in the ruins and where this will lead. Oh, but I know that down through the Oh, And I'll sing a song of the seas that we crossed. The waters you part.
5: Hey, Love Chapel Hill. Today we are continuing our long walk through the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, We're getting to a section in the Gospel today in chapters five, six, and seven. Um, That's not only one of my favorite sections in this Gospel, but in all of Scripture as a whole, and it is the revolutionary Sermon on the Mount. This collection of Jesus's teachings um, that all of us will spend the rest of our lives trying to get our minds and our hearts and our lives around, and not only understanding this, um, but in being reshaped in a way of living this out with Jesus. What we have here is a radical vision that Jesus paints for us of what the kingdom of God looks like in Matthew chapter 4 he begins with this announcement uh, what Matthew refers to as the good news the gospel this announcement that the kingdom of heaven is at hand the kingdom is near the kingdom is is here and now in this section, uh, Jesus moves from the announcement of the kingdom to the articulation of what this kingdom looks like, and he outlines for us the customs and the culture and the curriculum of this discipleship life with him, life in the kingdom. As always, we want to remember the context that's surrounding this, uh, and we know that that Matthew's audience. Uh, was primarily a Jewish audience, which means that they were immersed in, ingrained and in, rooted in this story of God's engagement with the family of Abraham uh, and God's redemption plan for the world. And so this is always in the back of their minds. Um, they are rooted in this. It is the reality that they are living in. And so often uh, there are significant Things that Matthew is getting across in the way that he shapes this gospel um, that won't immediately stand out to us. And one of those is the fact that the Sermon on the Mount um, is the most famous collection of the teachings of Jesus, without a doubt. Um, but in the Gospel of Matthew, it's only the first out of five of these sections that hold the teachings of Jesus. Uh, They're referred to as the great discourses of Jesus. And so in his gospel, uh, he lays out five separate sections collecting the teachings of Jesus. Now, why would this be significant to you and I that might just pass right by us, Uh, but to a person who is rooted in that ancient story in the history of Israel, they would have made a connection. Uh, There's a cord of memory that gets gets touched for them in this way that Matthew shapes his gospel. On one hand, uh, it probably would have brought to mind for them the fact that the book of Psalms also contains five separate sections, five books within the collection of the Psalms. And half of the Psalms, are attributed to King David. And so in their minds, they see that connection back to Psalms, back to David in particular, and the kingdom, right? So they're making that connection, a more obvious connection and definite connection that people would have made. Uh, this original audience hearing this is they would have thought, and seeing these five sections of the teachings of Jesus, they would have thought about the five books of Moses. The first five books of the Hebrew Bible, first five books of the Old Testament uh, that are attributed to Moses and that tell the story and this history of how they became the people of God in the world. But not only how they became the people of God, but also in these five books, the Pentateuch uh, and, and referred to with deep love as the Torah, they see the law as well. And so it's not only this story of how they became the people of God, but they see the framework that God lays out, that God reveals to Moses on a mountainside, by the way, um, that God reveals to Moses and says, this is what it looks like to be my people in the world. So there's this history of becoming God's people. And then there's this framework for being God's people in the world. And so the first readers of Matthew That original audience would have made this connection and would have seen that. The connection to David, for sure, as Jesus, uh, Jesus as the king that they've been waiting for. But also this connection to Moses, uh, Jesus as this liberator and Jesus as the one who is setting the framework for what it looks like to be God's people in the world. It's not a rejection of that old story It's a restoration of it. It's a fulfillment of it met here in Jesus. And so there would have been that uh, immediate connection there to the Sermon on the Mount, the first out of five of these collected teachings of Jesus in Matthew's gospel. Uh, This is a section of scripture uh, that is widely famous and continues to be fascinating and inspiring to people uh, from all walks of life. People have this sense when they read it that this is what the world should look like. There's a sense of possibility, this sense that this represents the unexplored frontier of human existence, of what the world could look like. And as people read this vision that Jesus lays out, It's so compelling and intriguing and people long to see a world that looks like this. I find it really interesting that people who want nothing to do with Christianity uh, in the same way that people are drawn to Jesus, they are drawn to this specific collection of his teachings, people who reject Christianity and do not claim it to be true Um, people who are opposed to Christianity, uh, people who are even repulsed by Christianity as an organized religion. Many of those same people, though, will look to the Sermon on the Mount and find it fascinating and intriguing. And there's this deep longing in them to see a world that looks like this. There's so much power in this. People see it as a beautiful Philosophy and a beautiful ethic of, of life. And it is and it has shaped the world in so many different ways. We know that Gandhi, for instance, uh, was inspired by the Sermon on the Mount, repeatedly came back to the Sermon on the Mount as this rooting point in his life. And it became an inspiration for the blueprint uh, for his nonviolent resistance. In the same way, the same for Dr. King. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr., uh, repeatedly came back to the Sermon on the Mount as this blueprint for nonviolent resistance uh, in shaping the civil rights movement. Um, It was inspiring inspiring of what he described as the creative minority, uh, what he described as the beloved community. And there was so much hope and inspiration in that. For Dr. King and for Christians everywhere though, um, this is not simply a philosophy, of how to live your life. As disciples of Jesus, we know that the Sermon on the Mount is not just a philosophy for how to live your life. It's an invitation into his life. And that's something that sets it apart. Um, The great uh, bishop of the church, uh, an African bishop named Augustine, Uh, who continues to be incredibly influential, Um, one of the great theologians in the history of the church. Uh, He was one of the first people to give this section of Scripture the title, The Sermon on the Mount. Um, And he writes about the teachings of Jesus and the life of Jesus Uh, And shows us that the life of Jesus is more than just philosophy. It's more than just a beautiful ethic. He makes this statement. He says, I have read in Plato and Cicero sayings that are wise and beautiful, but I have never read in them. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. There's something so powerful here not just in the words that Jesus says, not just in the way that he orders them and they end up reordering the world because of their power, but there's such a beautiful invitation here into a different way of life, life within the kingdom, not just a beautiful ethic of how to live your life or philosophy for how to live your life, but an invitation into his life. So we're going to step into that today. Um, As I was studying for this this week, it just struck me um, that it's one thing to talk about this sermon uh, on the mount. Um, But as I was thinking through it, it hit me that this is actually a pretty short stretch of scripture. Yes, it's three chapters long. Um, But as I started to think about it, I I looked up, how long does it take to read the Sermon on the Mount in one sitting? Uh, It takes less than 15 minutes. It takes less than 15 minutes. That's half, less than half of one of my normal sermons, all right, which is quite a critique. I I felt that was kind of a sting. Um, But it hit me in that moment. We can't just talk about this. Why in the world would we not get out of the way And let Jesus speak for himself. Why in the world will we not take the time today to just listen in one sitting to this revolutionary message, this radical vision of what the kingdom looks like? So that's what we're going to do over this next stretch of the message here. Uh, We're going to get out of the way and let the man speak for himself and let the words of Jesus speak directly to us through the Sermon on the Mount. A couple of warnings here uh, before we move into that. One, you, you, you hear us talk about context all the time and the importance of context in understanding something. We absolutely believe that Jesus himself is the truth, that Jesus himself is the word of God made flesh. And so the words of Jesus are truth. We believe that 100%. We also acknowledge, though, uh, that at times without understanding a context and having the background, uh, some of that truth, um, as true as it is, unshakably true as it is, it can be confusing to us to understand its meaning if we don't have the context. So you're going to hear that through the sermon. There might be pieces that sound um, confusing to you. Um, That's okay. Take it all in. There's one part in particular that I want to highlight. Um, and it's this, Jesus makes uh, this statement about divorce. And apart from the context of Jesus's time and the place in which Jesus's ministry uh, is happening, these words might sound um, extremely painful. At first, it might sound as if Jesus is speaking down to someone who has gone through the painful experience of divorce. I want to put it in the context just so that we know that Jesus is not speaking down to people who have gone through the pain of divorce. Instead, He's speaking up for people who were often hurt the most by that painful journey. Here's the reality. We know that 2,000 years ago in a Middle Eastern patriarchal culture, men had almost all of the rights. And for the most part, married women Uh, were completely dependent on their husbands in in almost every way that you can imagine within that culture. Men, on the other hand, had this place of privilege and power. Uh, Men were allowed to divorce their wives for almost any reason that they wanted to cook up. And when they did that, when they abused their power and their place of privilege in that culture, Uh, It was the women who were were hurt the most and became the victims of that injustice the most. And so what Jesus has to say about divorce here is not in any way speaking down to a person who has gone through the pain of divorce. Instead, he's speaking up for people who were often hurt the most. And it's a direct critique of the men in that day and the way uh, that they often abused that place of power, So understand that context when we get to that section. Uh, Jesus, Jesus does not um, add stones to piles of shame. He doesn't do that. Jesus is always digging deeper wells of grace. So understand that. Uh, one other thing is this. Um, it's only going to be about 15 minutes of hearing this. Uh, But we understand that this is going to feel different than listening to a 30-minute podcast. Uh, It's going to feel different than uh, watching an hour-long lecture on YouTube uh, or watching the next episode on Netflix, okay? This is different. So you're going to have to be intentionally engaged mentally and spiritually um, to be able to walk through this. Um, So I just challenge you to open yourself up to that and hear the words of Jesus Himself through the most revolutionary sermon ever preached. Jesus opening His mouth and turning the world upside down. Matthew chapter five, verse one. Now, when He saw the crowds, He went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to Him and He began to teach them saying,
6: Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you, because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you.
7: You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven do not think that i have come to abolish the law or the prophets i have not come to abolish them but to fulfill them for truly i tell you until heaven and earth disappear not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished therefore anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven.
8: You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there, remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then, come and offer your gift. Settle manners quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison.
9: Yes or no, anything more than this comes from evil.
10: You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you, and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect.
0: Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full, Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins.
8: When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money.
11: Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. saying, what will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who try for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all of these things will be given to you as well.
12: Do not judge or you two will be judged for in the same way you judge others you will be judged and with the measure you use it will be measured to you why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye how can you say to your brother let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets.
2: Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers.
4: The streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash.
5: When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Thank you, Jesus, for your Sermon on the Mount, for this powerful teaching that lays out this radical vision of your kingdom, and for the invitation to live in that with you. Amen. I find it so powerful that Jesus ends this Sermon on the Mount with those three images um, and, and these three parables that he shows us of what life in the kingdom looks like. He talks about two paths. He talks about two kinds of trees and he talks about two builders. And he makes it really clear that we have to choose a way. And he puts this confrontational choice in front of us and he asks us those questions. Which way will you walk? Which of these paths will you choose? What is your fruit? What is the fruit gonna look like in your life? What does it look like right now? And what does that tell you about how you have rooted your life? And the third is how will you build? And in that story that he tells there at the end of the two builders, I I think it's fascinating that he uses this phrase. And he says that the builder uh, who built the house on the sand is one like who hears the words of the teachings and then does not put them into practice that that's what it's like to build the house on the sand. And then the opposite vision, that the one who built the house on the rock is like the person who hears the teachings of Jesus and puts them into practice. And he says that without putting these into practice, our lives will come crashing down. It is not enough to admire these words, to admire this sermon from a distance. And as a beautiful philosophy, he says, no, it's an invitation into his life. And we must put this into practice. The call of discipleship and the invitation of discipleship is irrevocable and it's unchanging. It has never changed since the first time Jesus called those first disciples. It is simply come, follow me. Absolutely, we must believe in Jesus. But that belief has to give birth into following him and into walking the way of Jesus, practicing the way of Jesus. I think it's fascinating that the word Christian appears only three times in the entire New Testament. It was not a label that they saw themselves as. Uh, usually when it shows up, it's, it's, it's talking about someone else calling them that in this derogatory kind of way. But the vision and the word that gets used 250 plus times in the New Testament, disciple, one who follows Jesus and walks in his way, not just admires the teachings, but puts them in to practice. So I want to challenge you uh, this week. This week um, on Wednesday uh, is Ash Wednesday. It's the beginning of the uh, church church season of Lent. It's this season of fasting, this season of repentance. And I want to challenge you in that as you prepare your heart for that journey, uh, this 40-day journey that leads up to Good Friday, Jesus' crucifixion on the cross, and Easter Sunday, celebrating His resurrection uh, as King over death and over sin itself. Uh, As we begin that 40-day journey, I want to challenge you Uh, Many of you will will choose to fast from something. But after the pattern of Jesus, who in his 40 days of fasting, we're told that he was feasting on the word from the Father. I want to challenge you that as you fast, choose uh, a passage. that can be a short passage. It can be just a few verses or it can be an extended passage. Choose something from the Sermon on the Mount. A passage from the Sermon on the Mount to feast on, to memorize, to come back to daily, to internalize in your soul so that it works its way out into your life. Something to feast on His Word as you're fasting through the season of Lent. This is Jesus's Sermon on the Mount. This is His vision of what the kingdom looks like. And this is His invitation to you, not just a philosophy of a way for you to live, but an invitation into His life with Him.
4: Now the curse of sin has no hope. Hallelujah.
13: The announcement team breaking in here at the end. Dr. Clark has been too long since we've gotten to share a stage and and bring the announcements and a benediction to the people. It's good to see you, man.
12: Yeah, good to see you as well, Brother Simmons. And it, uh, yeah, I mean, it's been almost a year. So here we are in our in our Zoom rooms, respective Zoom rooms. And, in a box. Uh, you look good. You look good. Man. Oh, that's nice of yeah, you. I, like, I like the beard there, Jesse. I like how you're growing that out, man. It's a nice look. Trying new things. Nothing wrong with that.
13: So what's, what's uh, a way that, that folks can can get involved, Chris?
12: Yeah, no, I'm happy to, to talk a little bit here. So um, a couple of things to mention here. First, uh, last week I had the opportunity with uh, with Tiana. Tiana and I actually uh, invited you to, to attend the watch party. And so I just want to reiterate that, offer that invitation once again. It's a wonderful opportunity to watch um, the sermon uh, and watch the message more broadly, uh, to experience the worship guide, I should say. Uh, with other people. So it's nothing like, you know, being in the varsity and the energy there, um, but it's close to it in terms of, of of doing something with other people, of being social, right? And, and other people in their Zoom rooms and just having an opportunity to engage with the message. And it's been wonderful. We really enjoyed uh, having an opportunity to, to meet other people and to talk about uh, the message afterwards. And so I, I just want to invite you once again, if you're able to, 10 o'clock uh, on Sunday mornings, to, to tune in uh, or Zoom in, <laughs> into <laughs> the watch incredible. party. Uh, it would be great to have you there. Uh, wonderful time. All right. And so you can come and you know, bring your coffee. Right. And you know, comfortable clothing is accepted. And uh, I hope to see uh, many of you there in the near future. Uh, the other thing I want to highlight uh, as well, you know, while I have your attention, uh, is the idea of volunteering. And so I, I It's very important. Um, and to see this as an opportunity for you to serve. I know that for me, the, the <laughs> pandemic has been challenging. Right. It, it, it pressed for time. And it's hard to think about. How to make space for anything else? Uh, but if you feel like you have the space, if you feel like that's something that uh, you you you're kind of called to do, being being encouraged to do, um, and God is kind of asking you to kind of think about what's the way you can give to the church community. Um, there are lots of opportunities available for you to serve. All right, so volunteering more broadly takes various forms, uh, and so there's that just sort of as a wide umbrella, and then in particular, uh, volunteering for Quest Kids, right? Having an opportunity to pour into the lives of uh, these, these wonderful young people who have such great questions, such great energy. Uh, and so that's uh, an area where we, uh, where we need support in particular. And so if, you, if any of those things interest you, uh, please feel free to uh, fill out the virtual Connect card. Right? We have to be mindful of social distancing and, and, and being safe and, and all that. Uh, and however you're watching this message, you should have access to that virtual Connect card. So please do fill that out if any of those things interest you uh, in terms of volunteer opportunities. That's perfect,
13: man. We um, also have Strangely Warmed going on right now. So for many years, uh, we have been helping to warm our friends on Franklin Street with coats, hats, gloves, blankets. Um, and we've actually uh, been able to continue doing that in front of the varsity each week um, as, as a uh, space that we're able to do breakfast with our friends on Franklin Street each Sunday. Um, But we're also able to distribute those items that have been donated and some of you already have done that, uh, but I want to invite anyone to um, give, whether you are watching from a thousand miles away or you're right here in Chapel Hill, you can help make this happen. So um, if you want to donate gently used or or new items, you can drop those at the varsity um, between nine and 930 on a Sunday morning, We'll, we'll take those and help get them distributed for you. Um. But if you need somebody to come pick them up, you can email me and we'll arrange that, justin at lovechapelhill.com. Um, or if you want to donate, um, if you are shopping online and want to have them shipped to us, um, you can also email me about that and where to ship those. And we'll, we'll help uh, coordinate. Or if you want to give financially. And so if if you want to give specifically to support Strangely Warmed, you can go to lovechapelhill.com slash give. When you fill out the form, just use the comments section and put Strangely Warmed in there, and we will we'll help Strangely Warm our friends on Franklin Street. But if you just want to uh, learn more about giving to Love Chapel Hill and supporting the mission and, and ministry uh, by giving financially, you can do that online as well. All the information there, lovechapelhill.com
12: slash give. Dr. Clark, you want to send us out with a, a benediction? Yes, yes. it's been it's been a while in terms well, in terms of us being on it's almost like we're in the same stage again here, Justin, right? right? We're well, in the varsity and I miss it and Folks can't are out in the audience like, and the lights are blinding wait. us and uh just everything about it. But in all seriousness, um, thinking about the message and thinking about, you know, what what are some words? How do you, you know, how do you follow Jesus, right? <laughs> in terms of the Sermon on the Mount and this this teaching has fundamentally changed the way in which we engage in the world and think about the world. And so, I mean, with that in mind, right, and with just recognizing the, the power of Jesus' words and the, how they, they, they flip our world upside down in terms of what we value and what things we ought to strive towards and so forth, or the fact that we live in a world where it's always about striving, right? And I know for me, I struggle with what's the next goal, what's the next achievement, what's the next step. And there's always, like when it's to be a real rat race, when it's always the next thing, um, we're listening to Jesus' words and realizing that. It's a fundamentally different way in which we can live. Uh, and in God's kingdom, it isn't about checking the next box and about your record and about your um, what you've done, all right? But it's about who God is and who he's making us into. And so uh, my prayer for, for all of us uh, as we move forward and as we reflect upon the Sermon on the Mount is that we think about uh, the ways in which Jesus challenges us, challenges our worldviews, challenges our priorities. But in addition to that challenge, how he also comforts us Right and what ways that can we experience the love of of, of God, love of the Father, you and, and, uh, through through Jesus's words. So we're so both challenging us and comforting us at the same time. And so I pray that you're able to find both of those as you move forward into into this week and beyond. Amen. I received that absolutely, and um, man, thanks for that
13: final word there, Chris. And the Lord be with you, friends.
12: Take care, y'all.